Do you want to fight a Star War? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to know. We've talked about licensed properties in games before, but this week we're going to talk about games based on the mother of all licenses, Star Wars. Welcome back to The Snakes Cast. Joining me this week, Amanda McKnight. Hey! And Scott Moyle. Yup, nub. Thanks for coming back to the show. So, all right, um, question. How do you folks feel about Star Wars? Any particular strong feelings at all, maybe? Um, like, basically joy and happiness and, like, jumping out a window and then kind of, like, the sound of, like, just a bunch of, like, blasters going off at the same time. Like, boop, 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 like that. Like, that's how I feel. I, I was an ATST for Halloween a few years ago and then Lobot the Halloween immediately thereafter. <laughs> I was a uh, Imperial Guard when I was in like, grade seven. <laughs> nice. Um, it's I, I was I was five years old when the original Star Wars was in the theater, and I desperately wanted to be Luke. So this this runs deep, I think, with all of us. Uh, there have been a ton of games published based on Star Wars. Uh, would you guys care to guess how many Star Wars themed games there are in BoardGameGeek.com's database? I'm gonna guess the number sits at like six hundred something. Um, I wasn't going to guess that high. I was going to say there's like around 60-something. Uh, the answer is in between the two of you. It is 292. Ooh. Mm. Uh, that includes Star Wars-themed chess sets and Star Wars Monopoly and a couple of Angry Birds tie-ins, plus all the expansion <laughs> sets for things like X-Wing and the card games. But still, oh, okay. that's a lot of Star Wars. It's that's a of, lot of product. It's the holy grail of game licenses. Why do you think there's so many of these things? It's a big story and a big setting. And, like, everyone wants to be in Star Wars. Like, you you don't watch Star Wars and go, oh, I'm just going to, like, well, I'm, you do watch Star Wars and go, I'm going to watch this again. But yeah, you, you watch, Yeah. <laughs> but you, you watch Star Wars and you're left with this awe, this feeling of, I want to go and do that thing. So it totally makes sense to me that there would be a bunch of games about going and doing that thing. So if you could be any character or any type of character in the Star Wars universe and, and, and be doing any particular thing, what game would you want to, it's like, what, what, what would you do? What would it be? What would you, what would it be? Mm, I don't know. I kind of, I've, I've always been partial to Han Solo. I've always thought that I, deep in my heart, I'm a Han Solo. So it'd be a charming uh, Charming smuggler. smuggler. So basically just Han Solo on like an everyday, like just everyday Han Solo where like I'm in the middle of like a smuggling thing. I get into some trouble and then Chewie and I like blast our ways, uh, blast our way out of there. That's, that's what I want to do. Yeah, no big deal. Another day at the office. Yeah, just, just another day at the office. Activity, yeah. You know, f- thumbing our nose at the Empire. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Having a drink after. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to say either... The uh, the noble but humble gonk droid, or uh, um, okay, I believe some of the folks in our audience are going to need you to explain the gonk droid. It's the thing that looks like two litter boxes bolted together with little dryer tubing legs, <laughs> <laughs> or the traitor played by Art Carney in the classic Star Wars holiday special. Okay, Scott, you're not allowed back on the show. <laughs> um. Okay, so the correct answer, of course, was to be a Jedi in the time of the Old Republic when they weren't, you know, totally, you know... Dead? Like like the old, old, old Republic. Republic. Right. The original Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Like, from, from like, way back when, when before they got kind of crusty and boring and, you know, no emotions, blah, 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 sort of thing. 
That's, uh, that's all right. That's okay. It's fine. Gonk droids work really hard, okay? <laughs> they work really hard. I feel like, you know, lightsabers are cool, but you don't need a lightsaber if you have a blaster. Blasters do everything. They open doors. I'm sure you could probably, like, brush your teeth with a blaster. They're just, like, They will certainly do more than Hokie religions and ancient weapons. Yes. Well done. Now, having established our Star Wars cred, or tanked it, depending on your point of view... Oh, come on. Um, it's, um, it's a truism, and we've talked about this before, that uh, games based on licenses are usually terrible for a variety of reasons. Partly it's because the licensor is always going to take a cut, which means there's less money left over for design and development, which means those things tend to get skimped on. Now, not even the greatest story can save a bad game design. Like, um, when I was little, I had this Escape from the Death Star game, uh, I'm pretty sure it was designed by some interns in the marketing department of Lucasfilm or something. Uh, up to four people could play, and each of you had two pieces. You had one piece for Luke and Leia and one for Han and Chewie. Mm-hmm. And if I could get my red Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie to the Millennium Falcon before you could get your blue ones there, then I win. That makes that, no sense. That's amazing. Um, at uh, Gen Con a few years ago, uh, JP bought a copy of... Uh, Battle at the Sarlacc Pit, which was, you know, original to the re- release of uh, Return of the Jedi. That sounds exciting. He paid so much money for it at an auction, and we got back to the hotel room, and he set it up, and it's this nifty cardboard 3D Sarlacc, and then the skiff floating above it, and lots of little plastic dudes for to fill the skiff with. And we tried to play it, and the conclusion was... This is from an age when we were really bad at game designs, so we just fell back on making toys with lots of rules. Yeah. It was wretched. It was really bad. What was the worst Star Wars game you've ever seen? Um, I don't know. I feel like uh, all of the games that I have played, I've really, really liked. Um, I I have seen Epic Duels played, but I also really liked that one. Like, I mean, I think the game, I think the idea with Epic Duels is that it's a bit of, it's a little bit of a mess, but it's also kind of amazing in, in the fact that you have, like, all of these amazing minis that you get to play with. I guess that one is also too. kind of like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, they weren't pre-painted amazingly, but... They never are. No. <laughs> for, for the benefit of our audience who have probably never heard of Star Wars Epic Duels, that came out just after uh, Clone Wars came out, I think. Yeah. And it was one of the first big-budget, sort of widespread Hasbro-type games that spooged in together all the stuff from all the Star Wars movies. So you had uh, Luke and Leia versus uh, Jango Fett and, you know, what's-her-face, the bounty hunter person from... Okay. Yeah. Or and, and and there were like twelve different things. There was Darth can, Vader. There was Mace there's Windu. Yoda. Yeah. There's everybody's but there. The at its core, it's just a really cool little Star Wars skirmish combat game, right? Yeah. Just yeah. all these people running around playing cards and cutting each other down and stuff. But that's why it's basically a game that like it didn't really, in terms of like the game mechanics, like it's nothing insanely awesome but just the fact that you get to play with all those characters is just like really fun and also kind of ridiculous yeah, well, Samuel I, L. Jackson versus freaking Darth Vader who wins yeah. I think it's been superseded but I think at the time it was really hot stuff I mean, it was yeah what came after that was uh, was Wizards of the Coast's um, Star Wars collectible miniatures game that was basically just the idea of duels writ large where you could field large teams in a a point by sort of skirmish wargame format. And even looking at Imperial Assault now, that's it's still little plastic people in the same scale on a grid map, and it's not like th- those to me are a, a a succession of ideas that started with with duels, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. much. And uh, I think that uh, that uh, Imperial Assault is worth mentioning, notably for its publisher, Fantasy Flight Games. I think mm-hmm. that this present uh, 
a huge influx of Star Wars themed games really began with FFG getting access to the Star Wars license. Mm-hmm. And then sensibly choosing to only make games based on the good Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I don't think they've touched prequel content. I don't think they have. And Although sh- they have totally done stuff in the extended universe. Sure. Play the Star Wars LCG. There's stuff from Knights of the Old Republic. There's stuff from uh, the Timothy Zahn novels. But if they like money as much as they probably do, it, it's an act of tremendous restraint that we don't have, like, Boonta Eve classic the pod racing game. Yeah. They just haven't touched any of the prequels. They're only doing the good movies. It'd be nice if... Is there any pod racing games? Uh, there were video I games for it, but yeah, uh, yeah I Nintendo played a pod... 64 Pod Racer. Yeah, <laughs> it begins and ends there. I I totally played a Pod Racing game and realized Pod Racing's hard and no one should ever do it because it's <laughs> dangerous and it's impossible. Uh, I I think I played one though at Pladium or something where you you actually oh, had you're to in like, the thing. Yeah, you're in the thing and you're trying to drive it and you're like, this is how do you drive this thing? How did Annie do it? Um, <laughs> he was, he was a lot of midichlorians. Yeah. Oh, you said it. You said the yeah. word. Okay, yeah. stop, stop. No, <laughs> stop right there. It's a galactic doping scandal. Right, let's take a look at what we've got coming out for FFG. There's obviously the X-Wing miniatures game with those gorgeous, really, actually really nicely pre-painted figures you, of, of X-Wings and TIE Fighters and all these other things. Those are really a standard for pre-painted miniatures, and I say this as, I think, the resident miniatures nerd in this circle. I've seen your work. It's amazing. Those are a standard of pre-painted miniature that no one else has managed, flat out. And uh, they also did it for uh, for big ships with uh, Armada. Mm-hmm. Armada. X Wing is the one where it's like the World War One dogfighting thing. It's Wings of War, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice and tiny. It is, and uh, it's very small scale and individual pilots and stuff. And then you've got Armada, which is more like a naval combat game with giant star destroyers and stuff moving very slowly and ponderously. And it owes a lot to old school naval combat games. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So then there's Imperial Assault. Which is great, which is amazing. Star um, Wars Descent. Yeah, Star Wars Descent, um, which uh, I just finished a campaign playing through it with some of the other uh, Snake staff. For the benefit of our audience who uh, may not be familiar with Descent, tell us a little bit about Imperial Assault and why it's so awesome. Yeah, so uh, Imperial Assault is basically, um, I don't want to say it's quite like baby's first dungeon crawler, but it's a little bit more advanced than that. It's still pretty light in terms of how dungeon crawlers go. Basically, you guys are a bunch of characters, and you're going around to complete missions depending on your campaign. There's different missions, um, and you have objectives you have to complete each mission. It's you versus, uh, which is your party, which can be up to four people, I think it is, uh, versus your your empire guy, which uh, for us is John. Uh, Darth John, we call him. <laughs> um, and uh, and you basically pick your characters and then you work together to sort of go through a little map and do those objective things. You might have to uh, break some break some terminals. You might have to, you know, kill a guy. You might have to just race across the board to get to a spot. And meanwhile, the Empire is trying to get in your way and make everything hard for you to do. And hopefully wound you. Because you don't die, you just get wounded, and then you go and get healed. And the scenarios are... I haven't actually played Imperial Assault yet, but the scenarios, are you playing sequences from the films, or are you playing sort of behind-the-scenes parallel stories to the films? So it's uh, it's interesting, because it's more like parallel scenes, and there's still characters that you, you will recognize, but you're not necessarily... You can control them, but you're not playing them. Right. So I'm not Han Solo, but Han Solo could be with us there. 
Um, I'm not R2-D2, but R2-D2 could like be coming along and trying to help us out. Um, And usually they're called allies and your allies give you guys cool abilities when they're working sort of with you, but they're not necessarily as prominent as you are in the fight. Right. But you're telling your own story that that lives within the framework. Yeah, you're telling your own story and you have these really cool characters and... um, we all sort of took different characters that have obviously different things that they're good at. But I was playing a character named Jin, who I got really excited when I saw the new trailer because there's a character named Jin, and I'm like, oh, this movie's about me. This is amazing. <laughs> um, but she is basically a female Han Solo. So she's a smuggler who is fast with her blaster, yeah, runs dream. everywhere. She's very fast in terms of how far she can move across the map. Um, so yeah, it was it was like living the dream. It was great. I understand Imperial Assault also has a lot more in terms of character entities stuff than your typical sort of let's move figures around on a map and fight sort of game where uh, you'll have a personal story that uh, goes through the campaign as well and personal goals to accomplish. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of what I was playing, I just jumped in on um, basically it was a expansion. So uh, we were just playing through that campaign mm-hmm. where we were on um, a tattooing. So... I didn't really have as much of a story. We all made stories and we all played through them. And I made uh, the fact that like I was friends with Han Solo in the past and we were like rival smugglers and I made a whole story for my character. But she didn't come with the story. She just came with really cool abilities and she's a sly smuggler. That's what it says on her card. Also, the artwork is really cool in the game. And um, FFG's art department has really been killing it with their Star Wars games. Yeah, and, and very diverse characters like... They're mm. not all just a bunch of white people mm-hmm. with like hats on or anything. They, Except for the Imperials, they're yes. totally all white. Dudes. Well, yes, they're all white dudes with hats on. But that's, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really, it's really great. And except for the Empire's guys, which are a bunch of yeah white guys with hats with like arms pointing at things usually. <laughs> so uh, I imagine Scott, you'd be more interested in uh, some of the Star Wars games that have been coming out in the kids' game section. Which are also awesome, like Loop and Chewy. Loop and Chewy is and so Boom much Boom fun. Death Star. Okay, Boom Boom Death Star. At last year's Catanathon, which is our charity fundraiser where we would play Catan for too many hours to raise money for a <laughs> cancer charity, um, we were playing Boom Boom Balloon as sort of a, a side note in the thing. Tell us about Boom Boom Balloon, because I don't think everybody in our audience knows this. Okay, a plastic frame contains a, an ordinary rubber balloon that in the traditional release has a, uh, a sort of distressed-looking face printed on it. Uh, the frame holds a bunch of pins with notches. You roll a die, which gives you a number between a, one and three, and that's how many sort of clicks you have to push the pins in on your turn with each notch sort of clicking that pin further into place. One of those pins will uh, will pop the balloon eventually, but it always gets more distended than you think it's going to. And anyway, so we were, and it's sort of this tension-based push-your-luck game with a loud noise at the end of it. Wonderful. And so we were playing this, and we were sort of getting excited because we all knew that Force Awakens was coming out. We were all pretty juiced about it. And I sort of went, oh, wouldn't it be great if they made a licensed version of this where the balloon was the Death Star and and the, the pokey pin things were red because they were like laser blasts, but at the end of them were little model X-wings that were shooting the laser blasts into the Death Star until it blows up. They released that exact thing <laughs> just a few months later, and they didn't send me a royalty check. So yeah. <laughs> um, still waiting for that. Still yeah. waiting. It's glorious. It's, I mean, it's so stupid and so brilliant and so perfect. Lupin Chewy is also amazing. Like basically all the kids' games, I'm just I just want to be five again. 
Mm-hmm. And and I mean I I still am kind of five in my mind, mm-hmm. so I still play them with as much. And I never even played Loop and Louie. So the first time I played, like like anything like that, I played Loop and Chewy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what this Loop and Louie is, but this Loop and Chewy game is great. Yeah, the only drag with Loop and Chewy is it's a three player game, and that's a hard mechanical limit based uh, on well, how well, it well, works. There's a good reason for. Oh, that. I know because that means if you own Loop and Louie, which is a four player game, mm-hmm. you now have a way of playing it with three players. So that means you have a good reason to own both. That's true, and presumably, I haven't actually looked at the connection, but they're probably interchangeable. You could have. Chewy buzz those farms if you wanted to. <laughs> I'm sure the chickens would be just as terrified of the Millennium Falcon as those stormtroopers would be. And it just goes on and on. We've got uh, you know the Queen's Gambit and the new Star Wars Risk, which is based on that, which is totally not Risk, but it's something fantastic. way cooler. There's the old uh, uh, lightsaber dueling pack where one person's Luke and the other person's Darth Vader mm. and you take turns turning to pages and calling up numbers until you win the duel. There's there's the old role playing games which were brilliant, uh, and the new one which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the point is, there are an unbelievable amount of Star Wars games out there, and whatever you want to do in that beloved galaxy far, far away, there's probably a tabletop game you can play that lets you do it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it for this week. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Scott, Amanda, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yup, nup. The Snakes Cast is produced by P.G. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Thanks for listening. Game on. And may the Schwartz be with you.